Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I'm going to be super unveiled because it's the only uh, thing that I know how to do when talking and when discussing and when sharing. I have entered a season of my life that I am identifying every heavy, every light, every conscious, every subliminal, E or the above lock that attempts to weigh me down. I am no longer okay with having a discomfort of any sort go across my heart, my soul, whatever, and just kind of brush it off like, eh, it's okay. I am G-checking everything that does not feel right, that does not look right, and does not align with what I deem for God to have in my life. I have literally entered a space that if it's uncomfortable, it has my attention, but it won't keep me there because I'm going to dissect it, get the gym and the lesson that I'm supposed to get from it, cast it, and move on. There is such a reward with not aging, but growing in wisdom, because I think the only way to truly live life accurately is with wisdom. I get now why Proverbs is like, yo, find wisdom, tie it around your neck, your finger, wear it all. It's just, it literally is like, whatever you do, please do not try to walk this earth and this life without wisdom, because it truly, it truly equates to a level of freedom that I wish I had this a couple of years ago. I wish that I understood the more that I understood my purpose, the more that I connected with God, the more that I understood myself, that I would feel the epitome of peace, love, and joy, which is the first three fruits of the spirit. There is something about understanding and revelation and clarity that brings on this automatic sense of light and peace and just airiness. And it is the open window to any stuffy situation ever. You ever got into a quarrel or a disagreement or whatever you like to call it with someone. And when you did finally bring it to that person in a respectful way and kind of talk about it, whatever you realize, Oh, And you know what? I perceived it as, and then the more that it was discussed, the more that it was revealed, you were like, oh, so whatever you were feeling initially, whether it was an offense, a defense, a disrespect, whatever it was, literally in that one moment of speaking and getting clarity, it felt better. You ever had something told to you where you're like, well, you know, the company's downsizing and they're closing it. And you're like, what? And then it was this sense of like fear that came along and all these other different things until you were like, no, no, no. But they're going to keep the same positions. They're probably just going to change the name and blah, blah, blah. And that very sense of clarity was like, oh, okay, you had me scared. So on a minute level to a mountain level. Clarity brings peace automatically, but I don't think that we got that memo enough to want to have that aspect and that characteristic follow us all the days of our lives. I think that's why God despises lies so much. 
that he is not the father of lies, that he literally wants us to know, "Mm -mm, you come to me and I will reveal. You ask and you shall receive. You knock and the door shall be open. God is so serious about clarity because he understands that it unlocks a level of peace that he initiated for us to have in the first place. And as I walk through those, that in those shoes, in this season of my life, I am like, yo, anything that tries to contort or cloud or clutter clarity, I am going to attack with a vengeance, <laughs> thus saith the Lord, because I realize that confusion is too costly. Being silent about certain things is too costly. It costs you your peace not to speak your peace. It costs you your peace, P-E-A-C-E, not to speak your peace, P-I-E-C-E. And now you know, breathing rain. But it truly It's too costly for you to know because I understand that you don't like confrontation, but I also need you to understand that clarity is your only way to freedom. I understand that you, you know what, such as I'd rather just not speak to such and such. I understand that you think that that's the route to take. And sometimes you're absolutely correct, but do a heart check and see, are you running from confrontation or are you stealing clarity from yourself? Some people, yes, there is no talking to. (laughs) You know that it's going to be just World War 96. You already know what it is. But some people, you're like, bro, what if at the end of life, you are shown that particular situation and all you had to do was ask a question or have a conversation that was rooted around, I just want clarity in this particular area. And it changed the trajectory of that particular relationship. That all you had to do was say, honestly, did you mean to hurt me when you do, when you did A, B, and C? Can you, from my point of view, like, can you see from my perspective how that was hurtful? Like when you did that, did you do that maliciously knowing that I needed A, B, and C? And would it shock you that if the person really spoke to you about why they did a thing or not particularly trying to get closure on a thing, but just trying to get clarity, those are two different things. Closure means I know that this is a wrap, but before this is a wrap, can I pour out the rest of my contents? Clarity is, listen, with the information that I have right now, I'm going to perceive you in a certain way. So I'm going to ask some clarifying questions just to make sure that I'm not perceiving you on a lie. Because from this seat, it looks like you did that on purpose. From your seat, you may have thought that you were doing something else. So can you give me your perspective so that I don't live the rest of my life in pain because I'm living by mine? You see what I'm saying? Those are completely different things. And they give completely different outcomes. I am not too too bold to whatever to be able to ask someone, hey, quick question. <laughs> and I am the most unconfrontational. I don't like it because I know that somebody's going to walk away hurt. And nine times out of 10, it's not going to be me. It's going to be me having to hurt somebody else's feelings, perspectives, ideals, whatever, because I cannot let someone walk around with a lie. 
So if you come to me and you ask me something, you are going to get truth so dripped in love. But if I perceive that you didn't receive it that way, it is going to hurt my feelings. But I can't keep trying to change the way that I pitched my ball of purpose because of the way that you have already determined that you were going to catch it. Let's just make it a baseball analogy. If I have the responsibility to go ahead and throw this particular item in your direction with love and the intent that God gave me, but you decided no matter how I throw it, whatever my technique, that you are going to catch it in a way that you're going to have offense, you're going to be defensive, whatever the case may be. I cannot continue to try to do my side of the purpose on one side of the field and then run all the way over to you to then try to contort you to receive it the way that I intended. That is not my responsibility. And I'm never, ever, ever going to let somebody allow me to make me think that that's my, that's my role. I've never seen a doctor also trying to deliver their own baby. I've never seen a dentist also pulling their own teeth and putting their own anesthesia in the needle. I've never seen it. And so I am not about to play both sides of the field because I want everything to remain harmonious. I can't do it. There are certain things that are occurring in life that you're just going to have to be like, you know what? And I'm okay with this not being okay because I know my heart. I know my intent. I asked for wisdom before I even went on this particular mission. So at this point, it's between them and the Lord. And I pray that even if they don't get the clarity and the peace that they need from me, that God will go ahead and deliver it through someone else if that's even needed so that they would have it in regards to me. You never want somebody to feel some kind of way if you are a prudent person. If you somebody just walking around and you're like, I don't care what anybody says, oh, okay, then you're not the kind of grandbaby I'm talking about, so we can just go ahead and swipe left, okay? That's just how that works. But if you truly have a, a God's heart, which is a heart for people, you're not out here trying to maliciously hurt anyone. But if you truly are walking like Jesus, you are going to offend somebody. And let me say what the old bishops may have said. When I tell you that this was not on my heart to speak, <laughs> but the Holy Spirit does what he does and I mind my business, there is something so rewarding about knowing that if you just walk in obedience, he will use you. It is something so rewarding about being clear that this is not my life. It is God's. Whatever you want me to say, wherever you want me, whatever you want me to do, it is just so freeing to know I don't have to be both the actor, the director, the prompt person. I don't have to be all of that because God has literally, he has me covered. All I have to do is be present, give him my yes and my amen, and I guarantee this thing is going to be a box office seller. I guarantee it because it's not in my efforts. It's all in his will. Point blank the period and that's that on that. And when I tell you this level of clarity, this level of peace, this level of new entry kind of, like I feel like it's like new level unlocked. Like, ooh, what kind of human in it is this? <laughs> hey, do I still like the same pink colors? Like, let me check in on myself. It truly, it's something that would have really blew my mind a couple of years ago. And where I'm at now, I truly feel like staying on this course, I can't wait to see how I evolve in the next 
five years, in the next decade. Because the more that I evolve, the more wisdom that I infuse into myself, I get to pass this on to the people that I love. I get to pass this on to my children. I get to pass this on to just anyone that God has placed on my heart for me to pass. And I can literally see this particular fruit feed 5,000 plus, not counting women and children. That's pretty dope. And maybe it's just me, but that kind of stuff excites me. Gets me super excited. And I'm like, listen, infuse all the knowledge, sir. Like just, but I want to apply it. I don't want to just be a hearer. I want to be a doer. And what I have seen is one of the things that has been the most life-changing for me as I go from season to season and, you know, from glory to glory, uh, is watching certain people in, in, I don't want to say seasons, but watching people do innately what I have to build a muscle in. I'll give you an example. My husband has the faith of, I have never, I have never, and it is the most, most beautiful, breathtaking, alluring book of the Bible to read ever. I am so glad that God paired me with a man that I not only can learn from, but that I can pull away and go, my gosh, I see another side of God that I, w- I would like to embody. Because when God places people in your life, he places certain portions of himself in people that either does one or two things, makes you say, yo, (laughs) thank you, God, for having them in my life because that's absent of me. But you know what? It is what it is. I don't have to have everything. If you put in everyone around me that has it. So I'm cool. Or it's such an attractive trait that you're like, I too want to learn that part of it because what I learned about my husband's faith is that it literally births a certain level of peace. A bill or something would have come up and I would have been like, okay, so what do we need to do? How do we need to do it? You know, I'm going in, I'm going in that whole motion and my husband would just be like, well, God has to provide and then we'll get some good sleep. I'm talking about CC men's first. Like, sir, what's what pillow do you use? Because the way that you really giving it premium optimum, ma'am, and, and not and wake up in the morning like good morning. It's like, oh, so you you didn't go to sleep with that on your mind and then wake up wanting to talk about it like me? Absolutely not. Let a situation have occurred and he'll look at you like, did you do your best? Like, yes, okay, so God got to do the rest, and it's. <laughs> So you don't feel the need to like go over it and hover it over in your mind and see what else you could have done. And maybe you missed a step. And maybe if you would have said that and and you you don't feel the need to look at situations and conversations that were already had and see how you could have done that differently. So you can be better prepared next time. And man, I should have said, you don't think about any, he's like, what? No, no. I had the conversation. If I missed it, then God's going to have to show it to me. And if I did well, then, you know, I'll know later, but like, no, that situation has gone to pass. And so have I like, wow, sir, 
what kind of water you drink alkaline or like, because I, I would like a piece, sir. Like, you know, just like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a greedy grandbaby. I don't even need, I just need one fourth. Okay. Cause I saw the measuring cup and that particular measurement is not, it's not a lot, but I would like a one fourth. Okay. <laughs> because my goodness. And what I realized is Instead of just looking at him and saying, man, that's really, I would love that. And I would, Bob, I stopped silently wishing for it and I leaned into it. And it, it went from, oh, yo, you, you got a, you got a faith and a peace that I just would love to, can you tell me how you see the situation? Can you tell me? In our same situation, how you are looking at it because you're getting a different result than me. And so what I went from is I went from just wishful thinking to wanting to adopt his perspective. Okay, so we're in this situation. We're live, right? (laughs) So we're in this situation right now. This is happening. We got the same amount of information. We are in the same location. We are on the same playing field. So you don't have no up on me. I don't have no up on you. So why do we both have the given components, but I'm getting a way different equation than you? And I would ask him, how do you see this? So do you, do you start to go in? He, I don't go into those kind of thoughts. I don't do that to myself. I believe God. Okay. So when you see, and I would, can, I would start to study something that I wanted to steward. It became almost like a, I won't have another situation pass where I'm not standing in peace. I won't have another situation occur that I'm getting tight stomach and I can see my soul is starting to feel some type of way. And so my body's starting to respond to the emotions that I feel, but I'm saying, I believe God in my spirit. And no, those things don't align. So like either I'm a whole lie or I need to learn something completely different so I can get a different result. And in studying him, just asking questions, leaning in, because this one thing with me, you're not going to be able to teach me if you're not in truth. And if I can get close enough to a person to see like, yo, it's not a front. Like my husband really believes like, no, God is going to handle it. He said to me the other day, and this is what really just like solidified it. Like, bro, he's a goat. I ain't going to hold you. He said two things is going to happen. God's going to provide the provision for such and such to happen. Or God's not going to provide the situation. And it was never intended to occur. And I was like, oh, so you didn't think about the rest of the letters? Because because that was just A and B. You know, it was. We can go all the way to Z, right? He was like, and I'm not doing it. Like, oh, sir, you said your blood type is AB. But mine says O positive. Do you think that's why I think different? <laughs> you know, I'm trying to make a, make a medical situation out of this. And he's like, listen, this is just how I see it. And so if he only lives in two absolutes, then he only allows himself to have one outcome, peace. Because both of those absolutes never sound like, well, if God wants this to happen, then I'm going to start doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and took it. It was literally God was the beginning and the end of that conversation with him. God truly was the alpha and the omega to whatever situation I brought to him. And I started to realize a pattern. My husband takes himself out of the equation because he believes in God's perfect will. And I said, oh, snap. Here I am. 
I'm going to give the real talk. I believe that I aided to certain outcomes contingent upon my particular efforts and output. I, and, and low key, they uh, have ingrained that in us. When somebody's accepting an award, you know, I worked hard. It was sleepless nights, blah, blah, blah. So what's that deposit, church? Oh, that if you want this particular level of like yayness and, and this particular lifestyle, you're going to have to work hard. What does the church say? Faith plus works is, you know, it, that's what equates to the blessing. But faith, faith without works is dead. And so now you like, yo, I believe it. So I guess if I believe it, I got to pour a whole bunch of me into this to make sure that the work part is, is dope. What, what do you see when people get promoted? Man, you know, she works so hard. She's the first one here. She's the last one here. And she comes in early and she leaves late. And so you start to see like, wow, in order to get promoted, I'm going to have to do A, B, and C. You see the people when they really get spooky booky in the Bible, they like, I spend four hours with the Lord. Are you like, man, I only spend four minutes. And so I, in order for me to be a good Christian, I got to go ahead and spend. And so everywhere that we go, what is the blaring neon light say? I need you to to I blood sweat tear it and that's the only way to get that outcome that is preferable and it was like time out I've watched my husband do a little different <laughs> I've watched my husband do his best and rest I've watched my husband say mm, nope because now you're getting into toiling and toiling was a curse when you read it in Genesis when God was talking to Adam and Eve, he was like, yo, listen, now you're going to toil for everything. And he said, and I'm not under that law. I was like, yo. So when I tell you, new grandbaby alert, first of all, let's just give my husband a hand clap of praise. I'm not going to play with you. Not even finna play this game because who was going to talk about that grandbaby and not give him no hand clap of praise? Bet it ain't me. And so when I realized, yo, I'm, I'm literally having almost like a rebirth, almost like a Damascus moment. Holy Spirit was like, and I want you to read. I said, time out. Did you just give me this whole season so I can read the scripture? He said, probably. I said, and I won't talk back <laughs> because who's a grandbaby that's not wise? It, it won't be my name next to that. So literally, I want to read. The conversion of Saul turning into Paul. We all know that before he went ahead and started doing the things that needed to be done for the Lord. And he wrote a great part of the Bible. And he just was like, I mean, he's OG, you know, for Philippians, you know, I can do all things through Christ that's shrinking in me. Like we, we wouldn't even be saying that if Paulie didn't do what he was supposed to be doing and, and stayed Saul. If he stayed Saul, it would have been a wrap. Wouldn't have been no, um, nothing to rehearse. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But before then he was on the wrong side of the track. Yeah. He wasn't converting and doing anything awesome for the Lord. He was, um, he was killing them folks, but then something happened. He had a perspective shift. And I want to read that. So I'm going to go ahead and read Acts chapter 9. You know I read in the NLT version, right? Okay. And so it's literally titled Saul's Conversion. So let's just get right into it because they're obviously waiting for us to get into the juice. And I'm very much a juicer. Okay. So first one. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. Two. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for the cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. 
He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Three, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. Four, he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Five, who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Six, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Seven, the men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Eight, Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. Nine, he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Ten, now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarshish named Saul. He is praying to me right now. Twelve, I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Thirteen, but Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people. Talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. 14. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone, everyone who calls upon your name. 15. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. 16. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. 17. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 18. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. 19. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Shall we? You got your napkin, fork, and knife ready? Yes. Okay, let me explain something to you. <laughs> Saul went through great lengths to make sure that he put in the work to get the outcome that he wanted. Right? He was like, not only do I, I, I want to go ahead and kill some folk, rebuke that name of Jesus, but I want to make sure that I got the backing of the people um, to go ahead and put this as like a, a law low key. You requesting letters be addressed saying, hey, I need you to cooperate with me that anybody that I find, I don't care if it's a female or not, I'm bringing everybody back in chains. And I'm, I'm a network and I'm going to get people to do A, B, and C and blah, blah, blah. That is the true depiction of what it looks like when you go full throttle into works of the flesh Saul believed it so much that he went ham with the works part so that he can yield the outcome that he wanted he wanted everyone who was the Lord's followers to be killed <laughs> in such a way that I'm gonna I'm not even gonna kill you first I'm gonna embarrass you chain you up bring you over here and I'm gonna have everybody behind me on this one that is the depiction of truly works while you believe a little bit in your faith because he believed that, yo, everybody who's a follower, like, y'all should be killed. So I'm going to go ahead and make this happen. That is a 
that is one-on-one. Um, I, I got this, God. I'm going to do it by myself. But what got me as I was even reading this is that when Saul answered, first of all, God had to call Saul's name twice. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It says in verse four. Verse five, when Saul's answering, he said, who are you, Lord, lowercase. But when God was calling Ananias, he called Ananias's name once. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias in, in verse 10. It says as the reply that Ananias said, yes, Lord, capital L. So a lot of times your perspectives and the actions that follow are based upon the God that you identify with. Saul was literally not known to God. Couldn't be. Why does he have to call you twice? The only time that I really recall at this very moment, God speaking and saying someone's name twice is either if he really had to get their attention because you've been so far from me, I need to confirm that you know my voice, Moses, Moses, or that you are so steadfast in the thing that I need to really break your attention by calling you twice. Um, Abram, Abram. Abraham, Abraham, don't kill Isaac. Like I need you not to do that, sir. <laughs> I know you're trying to be obedient, but you so steadfast. I got to break your attention. But the real thing is how you respond to that. Saul literally responded in verse five. Who are you comma lowercase L lowercase O lowercase R lowercase D when he called Ananias. Because I know you, you know me. I only got to call you, but once you know my voice, the immediate reply was, yes, Lord. Yes, comma, Lord, capital L, lowercase O-R-D. Huge difference. So maybe, just maybe, the reason why you're responding to certain things is the same way that you respond to God. I don't really know God like that, so I'm going to just do this all by myself. Kind of like Saul. I know God very well, and so I'm not going to be in no rush to do nothing. Bro, you, you told me to go out there and do what? You know that he got the, the backing behind him. Like they saying, they go, oh, okay, cool. So if you know it, I'm not even going to question it. I'm going. How many people, real talk, real talk, if they had a law out right now that fit your description and that was literally co-signed that if your description was identified, Everybody who has your particular eyebrow, <laughs> everybody whose last name is your last name, everybody who whose height is your height, and that they get to go ahead and do some tormenting things to you. And then God was like, oh, okay, cool. They said that anybody who goes to that grocery store, that's going to happen. And you were like, yeah, he was like, go on that grocery store, um, Al 5. How many of you lean, willingly will say, um, okay. Wait, you know that that's a grocery store that everybody's saying that when you... When you buy the pancake, make sure they got roaches in it. Oh, okay. You want me to go buy it anyway? Cool. I'm going. Like, no talk back? It, it really makes you look at your heart posture like, Lord, I ain't going to hold you. Ananias is a G because I would have said, um, you got to show me a sign. <laughs> uh, Lord, if that's really you, can you um tell me come out? Into, uh, can I get on the boat real quick? And then you, I don't, how you want me to go there? Yeah, it, it's so many other questions, but it was nothing else to talk about. It was like, that's what you said? 
Cool. Um, nothing else to be said. Because the next verse uh, after God was like, yeah, because I'm going to use him. He's going to be great. It says in verse 17, um, so Ananias went and found Saul. Oh, you didn't delay? Oh, I ain't going to hold you. The sloth footedness that would have came on into my spirit. Oh, I would have became the most pigeon toed ever. <laughs> that would have been a time that all of a sudden now, wow, I'm bow legged. Yeah, you know what? And my knees, is it finna rain soon? It feel a little bit. All the excuses, just be a hundred, because I'm a hundred with myself. I, I don't think I would have um been like, you know, just on the search the way that it is. So you went and tried to find him? immediately nah i probably would have had to do the drive-by like i don't like nobody home to be honest with you like and he can't even see me anyway so how can i how can he confirm that i can confirm that we would have tried to find a back door i know i would have i'm gonna be 100 with you a couple of years ago you couldn't mm -mm. i would have been like i went past the house that that's that's like obedient something like order obedient right okay well that's just that but the thing that truly got me and popped out was why did God blind his eyes? Hmm? Verse seven, the men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Eight, Saul picked himself off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. Nine, he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. What happened was Saul's perspective on how he saw Christians, on how he saw Christianity, how what he wanted to see Christians in. He wanted to see them in chains. He wanted them to die. He didn't care if it was a man, woman, child. He didn't care about none of that. It's just the way that he seen it. He was on a mission. He wanted letters to be addressed. If y'all see anybody, just go ahead. And, and so because Saul's perspective was corroded, God blinded the very thing that was corroded in him. His perspective was wrong. And so God blinded that area. And for three days, he had a almost like a volunteer. He was voluntold to fast low key. It says he remained blind for three days and did not eat or drink. That sounds like a fast to me. So it sounds like Saul had a perspective issue. God touched that area. He then had a fasting in that area and the next time that God released sight it was with a new perspective how do I know oh, okay because um it says in verse 18 instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight he then got up and was baptized 19 after he ate some food and regained his strength what happened in those three days that you were so filled with the holy spirit with knowledge with whatever that as soon as you were able to see again you were actually aligning to god's perfect will for your life you mean to tell me three days ago he couldn't have done this no because there was poison in his perspective so then what happened three days after God purified him so that he can see purpose? And then that made me start thinking more. 
I said, okay, so God had to purify his eyes because his perspective was wrong. I think for other people, God will have to go ahead and purify their ears. Because what if they heard so much negativity in their childhood, so much negativity in their impressionable years. They just heard, oh, you're lazy. You ain't never going to be. You just like your daddy. You blah, 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 whatever. And then now, the way that they live life now is through the poison of what they heard before. What if you started to realize, dang, why do I hear everything and it just sounds so negative? Why does everything just feel like a downer? How come when people hear something, they get excited? I'm like, well, I ain't getting excited yet. I believe we got the raise when I see it in my chat. It's like, for some reason, when you hear stuff, it don't do for you what it do for other people. And you're like, where did that come from? And if you truly trace it, it's like, yo, that came from that impressional part of your life. That came from that particular point of your childhood. And what you really need to do is have a Damascus moment where you say, Lord, you know, what I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna fast from hearing anything music tv whatever and I'm gonna have a purifying period of just selah I'm not gonna do anything and I pray that after these particular three days I'm only singing three days because that's the three days that Saul had that after these three days Lord that you will allow me to hear in the perfect will that you intended for me to hear it is poisonous to hear something in a perverted matter. Why? Because the Bible says that faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing the word of God. And the only way for you to go ahead and accept salvation is how? Hearing. You need to hear it first. There is nothing about you hearing things negative that works in your, in your favor. Everything that is poisonous is literally from the pit of hell. It is literally a contradictory of what God has for you and how God is trying to get to you. And so what you need to do is be big and bold enough to say, yo, I can honestly say that there is something a little perverted about the way that I hear stuff it does not work positively in my life. And so what I need to go ahead and do is have a purification period and say, God, I'm going to believe that if I go ahead and fast from everything for at least three days, that at the end of this, I will start hearing the way that you want me to hear. I'll start hearing harmonious where I thought that people were trying to play me. Oh, and I got defensive because the way that she said it and you didn't feel that she was trying to blah, blah, blah. Everybody's looking at you like, no, she just said, hey, go to lunch. And you was like, no, but the way she said it. No, that's the way you heard it because that's the way it was conveyed to you at that other juncture in your life. And so now when anybody says anything to you, you ready to fight. And it's like, why, why, why you feel like everybody's trying to play you? Oh yeah. I just let anybody walk over. It's like time out. Can we have a purification period so that you can readjust to how God truly wanted you to hear things? Can you really enjoy things the way that, I mean, like seriously, like God literally says that he, when we praise and all of that, he just has a like, like he just inhabits all of that. And he can only do that by if he hears it in a, in a joyful way. But if you're hearing things in ungodly ways, then you can't receive things the way that God intended for you to receive it. Some people need to go ahead and ask for a purification period when it comes to their hearts. For whatever the reason, somebody did something to you. Somebody did something that was not supposed to be done. 
And I know that you tried to go through the periods of like, yo, I'm going to go ahead and forgive. I'm going to try my best not to walk around with this anger. Cause I heard the old saying that, you know, being angry with someone is like you drinking poison, expecting for them to get sick and blah, blah, blah. And you know, you tried all the things, but the reality is, is that, yeah, you may have let go of that anger, but you ain't let, you didn't try to get those brick walls down. Oh, ma'am, come on, be serious. You got a whole, if we really was to take a magnifying glass, be like, yo, how many hedges of protection does your heart need? You need the bob wire. You need the eye scan. You need the fingerprint. You need the bricks. You need the um the whole circle of Doberman shepherds. <laughs> like you need like by the time that somebody really tries to get to your heart, they they gonna die in the process because there's too many uh things in between you and and literally trying to get to you. Then you get upset that ain't nobody really trying to learn you. You see, everybody just want, see, people just want, they, they can't handle nobody like me. No, 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 no. You don't even know you well enough to know that if it's safe to even let certain people in. No, no. You perceive that all men are dogs because of what somebody did to you. And it could be, no, it wasn't just one person. Okay, so what a couple of people did, a couple of people that you chose, you perceive for men to be dogs. You perceive for all women to be. You perceive that all dads are like. You perceive, and what you don't understand is that that was a tactic from the pit of hell to make sure that you were defeated way earlier in your impressionable years so that you could not get to the promise and perfect will that God has for you no wonder you had that particular incident with men because the husband that has God has for you is going to be incredible no wonder you feel like women are untrustworthy because the woman of God that God has for you is going to be incredible no wonder that you look at men in a certain way because now you can't get close to God because God is a what he's a man he's father God he's he is in the image so it's like yo you don't understand that all the things that have perverted you are really trying to get you to to be that much further from God's perfect will and not only that from God. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that am I going to go forward? Pause. You have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and and then that's how you'll get saved, right? You go ahead and read John 10:10. 10, 10. But you have to believe it in your heart. But if your heart is contorted, baby, then how are you supposed to believe anything? The way that God intends for you to believe. Maybe you need a Selah moment too to get that poison out. If you confess with your mouth, where did you learn to talk so rudely? Why do you have to be so harsh when you speak to people? No, because they need to know I'm not the one. But why you need to let everybody know that? Like, how come, why do you, do, are you, what are you trying to protect that you try to project with your harshness that you're really like, I just want everybody to stay away because if you get close to me, what you really see is that I'm a mush. If you get close to me and you really take the time to get to learn me, you'll see that I'm a lovable person. But in in, in the meantime, I'm going to let everybody know and I keep it real. No, you're hurting people in the light of realness, but realness is not the only way to freedom. You know that you can be real and also be loving. 
You know that you can be real and decide what portion of that realness you want to say. You can tell somebody, bro, you are super big. You getting fat. You you keep eating. You don't, I mean, just like, oh my goodness. Like, no, y'all don't see her. Anybody going to say that she been gaining weight lately? No, mm, don't, don't, don't tell me be quiet. I'm going to keep saying it. That may be uh, a fact, but you know that realness, what you're ultimately saying is, yo, I'm concerned. Like, is everything okay? Because you've been gaining a little bit more rapidly, and I just want to make sure you're good. You don't think that you can relay that in a different way? You don't think you can say, okay, listen, we all getting older. We want, we all want the hot girl summers, and I want a hot girl winter. I ain't even going to hold you. Do And I know I don't want to do this by myself. Are you in a place that you feel like, yo, I want to go ahead and snatch it up too. I want to go ahead and get into that shape. I want to go ahead and just, you know, be a better me for our generations. We want to pass generational wealth, but we got to be present and alive and healthy to even enjoy that wealth. Will you join me on getting ourselves in the best shape of our lives? Like y'all want to do a challenge. You with me? Isn't that the same thing as saying, oh, bro, you, you, you putting on a couple of pounds. I ain't going to hold you. (laughs) Right? You you don't think that's a better, but you know what? You don't know how to speak with honey because all your life, the people that you love the most spoke to you in vinegar. And so now you speak from the tank that you were spoken, that was spoken into you. Now, when you speak to people, you are so vinegary that nobody don't even want to be around that because vinegar is only good for um, a cleaning mechanism. And sometimes, you know, goes a little bit good on certain salad dressings and stuff. But outside of that, it's very limited usage. And what vinegar can do to positively add to someone's life or mission. Maybe perhaps you need to go ahead and say, okay, I need to infuse more honey into myself. I need a three-day domestics moment. I'm going to listen to positivity. I'm going to listen to affirmations. I'm going to listen to things that uplift me. I'm going to listen to, and when I fill myself with that honey, I'm going to ask God to make it where I speak from that tank for the rest of my life because I realized that the way that I was speaking to people, it was perverted and it wasn't God's perfect will. There's so many different ways that you can apply this to life. You can have a Damascus moment with your loins, okay? Your private areas, hmm? Yeah, you don't need to pass down none of that. You can have self-control. Nah, you don't understand. As a man, no, Jesus was a man. What would he don't understand? Yeah, but you got to understand, like, I'm just, you know, I'm attracted. So men be, yeah, what, what you, what? Like, that sounds very much like, mm, Rahab. Like, you know, you can have self-control in any area that you truly ask the Holy Spirit to help you in. And and can I just be a thousand? Self-control is not as hard as people think. It really isn't. Self-control at the minute level is just not putting yourself in equations or situations that's going to tempt you. If you're trying to stay away from cheese, don't go to Olive Garden. <laughs> Very. If you try not to spend money, don't go to the mall. If you are trying, and it doesn't look like, oh, I'm trying to avoid, sometimes you need a, an accountability person. Listen, I want to go out to eat because I love the companionship, but make sure that I don't order A, B, and C. And as a matter of fact, let's choose a restaurant together where I'm not going to be tempted to order A, B, and C. 
if pasta do something to you, go to a seafood restaurant and didn't purposely say, okay, I need a restaurant with more options because I'm going to be prone to order of everything that doesn't go well with me. So it can go in any area. So don't make an excuse that, you know, I'm just a sexual being. Okay. And you're supposed to be that in the confinement that works best for that. Covenant. Marriage. Too much? Keep going. You have to know you well enough to say, okay, I need a domestics moment. And if you have not realized this is your challenge, your challenge is to look at the areas of your life that you can truly identify, wait a minute, this is 22. <laughs> I need to do a little bit better than this. And not only that, I've seen that not doing better has been like my innate manufactured kind of like default. But I don't think that this is the way that God intended for my me or my life to be. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to create space, have a domestics moment, and then immediately accept, okay, I'm going to make the efforts to do A, B, and C. Um, Saul didn't wait. He wasn't like, ah, now I got to call everybody back and tell them, you know, the, the letter that I asked y'all to write. He didn't do anything to try to erase or backtrack or do anything that he did in his former domestics moments. He said, from this day forward, this is how I'm getting ready to handle this. I'm immediately getting baptized. I'm going to go ahead and start talking to the followers. Like, if you read the rest of chapter uh, Acts chapter 9, you'll start to see Buddy just went straight into, like, okay, my new life. You don't got to call nobody back up and be like, hey, what I said to you that one time. Hey, listen, we can't talk anymore because, I, I you know, you you caused me to fornicate, okay? Like, you don't have to do any of that. Just immediately jump back, jump immediately into becoming Paul. Saul did what he did. Paul knows better now. Do you see what I'm saying? Listen, if you do not get off the phone with me, I'm so passionate about this. We're going to be talking about this for the next, for the next three days. <laughs> We're going to have a domestic, like, you still there? Yeah, and so then I was saying, I'm just going to make sure you breathe and I'm going to keep talking. You understand? That's how passionate I am about this. But um, I feel like you got what you needed, though. Truly and truly. Uh, you know what these conversations are, right? Yeah, uh, they are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who, your favorite homegirl. I cannot wait. I am super thrilled because I already know the keys spiritually that this is going to unlock for so many, and I am just honored that God would just see fit to use me as the vessel be just because I was willing. Oh, my goodness. Quick question. Why were you created? To multiply very much. You need to go to the website, www.createdthenumber2multiply.com and see all the things that are happening on that side. The apparel merch line, the Patreon. I'm talking about just get into it because we are getting to it. Do you understand that? But okay, I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. We talk later. Absolutely. Later.